remember if I told you, but we were going to Atlanta first. Mm-hmm, Monica mm-hmm. was gonna meet us, and we didn't end up going to the lesbian bar as we had yeah. planned. I know. Welcome to another episode of Better Why Podcast, your modern day theist kitchen table with a bit of cheese man and less yelling on most days. What's going on, everyone? This is Brenda, aka Babs. Hey, y'all. It's CO here. What's good, everyone? So we're back at it again. Um, and there's actually been a lot going on in the past two weeks, but I'll let you go first, CO. What's What's been happening in your life, sis? Ooh, we um, trip. That's what mm-hmm. I want to hear. Yep, Florida. Florida was cool. We ended up just chilling and, you know, laying low key. We went to, so that was Atlanta, right? Friday through Sunday, cool. And we drove back to Florida and stayed there from Monday through Saturday. And, we and you were there for, for, for a while then. You were there for like, uh, your trip total was like, what, a week and a half? Yeah, it was like, Atlanta was cool. I had mad good food, girl. I was hyped. Mad vegan food. Mad mm-hmm. vegan food. Yeah. And even though, you know, they did use, use meat substitutes, which I don't really eat, I decided to indulge. And it was amazing. I went to Slutty Vegan. Yes, Slutty Vegan. So good. But I'm so sad because I bought a hat that was that said uh, "slutty vegan" on it. It was like an army hat, army mm-hmm. fatigue, and the the slutty vegan front said uh, it was an orange. And I put it in the bag where I had the food, and I think that I didn't throw the bag out. I don't remember throwing the bag out, but the bag is in the garbage pretty much. Oh, so I don't remember where it's at, but <clears throat> Veronica's going back in August. She says she's gonna try and pick me up another one. Um, so I was sad about that, but I just considered it as a donation to local business. That's that. I mean, there's nothing else I could do about that. Uh, and then there was this other banging spot, girl. Oh my gosh, so good. I think it's called Plant the Burger. Mm. And it's more of a late night spot, a late night vegan spot. And they have banging grilled cheese. And I never, ever like vegan cheese. Do you like I was feeling this grilled cheese so much so that when we were driving back from Florida, we stopped at Atlanta to have food there. (laughs) So, and Atlanta also has uh, the first, well, the at least to my knowledge, has one of the only like fully vegan um, food trucks, food truck parks. So they have multiple. It's an actual Atlanta food truck. Is it Atlanta Food Truck Fest? Atlanta Food Truck Fest. That's awesome. That just goes to kind of support the fact that there's lots of uh, vegan eateries there. That's dope. It was amazing. Honestly, the best part of the trip was food. About eight, nine days. Um, um, It was fun. I I saw y'all pictures. Y'all looked like you were having a good time. We were having a good time. And then we did Zumba. So I don't know if you know my other friend, Nino. Yes. Yes. He got married a couple years ago, right? Yep. Yep. And you were in his wedding. Yeah, I remember. Yep. Yeah. I saw Not this. in his wedding, but I Not in, but you attended yeah. his wedding. Yeah. He his he got married in Mexico. In Cancun. My home. Well, not Cancun, but yeah. Mexico. 
so saw him for a little that was cool i hadn't seen him in a long time we went to the outlets I bought of course you did <laughs> honestly it wasn't even my idea so really mm-hmm. calm down mm-hmm. all right it was not my idea and i actually only bought one thing thank did you very you much know? yes what? i did <laughs> I'm really trying not to be a consumer like that. Yeah. For new products, I'm really trying hard, especially not from like hard. corporations that source fucking everything. Like, how <laughs> do you even do? How how can you even manage? So, I try very like I'm super intentional. I try when I can, but for shoes and shit like that, I'm still like buying new, you know, more new stuff. Mm-hmm. But I bought these Nike blazers that are mad cute. I mean, I know nobody else is going to see them, but I'm going to show them to you. Let me see. Oh, those are cute. They're comfy. I wore them today for the first time. And they were cheap. How much you pay for them? 53 Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was pretty good considering that blazers can normally be about 90 and up. I was going to say that, like 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I worked. So during Florida, I was still working. So a you lot were of working. It, like legit working Monday through Friday. Well, Friday, not Friday the whole day, but Monday through Friday. And it turned out to, I was super busy, like very busy. There was really no opportunity during the day to like fuck around. Damn. So you didn't even get to enjoy. Well, I mean, I guess you enjoyed it in the afternoon. Well, to be honest, the weather wasn't all great. I think one day we tried to work at the pool or like we try to go to a pool area, but the weather wasn't good. It's been fucking raining so much. I'm so excited for tomorrow and Friday because it's supposed to be super sunny and like, just like no fucking thunderstorms. I'm like over it. I'm like, who the fuck told the universe and mother nature to rain for like two months straight mother nature doing her thing and it's really doing her thing in response to how we the people are affecting her okay and i know that i know that i know that but i was just i was just venting i mean i I know that we contribute to the instability of mother nature and the environment i know i know i'm trying not to contribute as much as i used to you know i just wanted to that matters i was i'm just uh what is it I'm uh, having a a irresponsible thought moment. I was just like, you know what? Fuck everything else. Why was it raining? I just want to be in the pool. I just want to be in hot weather. I get it. Trust me, I get it. <laughs> but I just secretly think that uh, our seasons are also being delayed. So yeah. we haven't really had much of a summer. I don't feel mm-hmm. like. So I think that, I mean, at least I have hope. <laughs> that the summer will be delayed and we will be able to enjoy some type of warm weather as the year ends. I hope so too. But that's been really what's up with me. What's up with you? So I think the most, the first thing that comes to mind is, do you remember in the last episode that I was like talking shit about how I didn't know what Kiyoshi was, was doing and how I was like that nobody was going to come celebrate my birthday with me because yeah. I waited till last minute Yep. Um, you know, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna be here and I'm laying out by the pool. If anybody wants to come hang out with me, like low key, passive aggressive in a way. 
Um, I have one guest pass, so whatever one person can come, be, come on down. Pretty much Kiyoshi. That's pretty it. much. <laughs> and then um, uh, it turns out on Saturday, he's like, um, you know, we're gonna go to New York. You know, have a, uh, it's gonna be a surprise, like where we're going. But he made it seem like it was just me and him, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so we go to New York. And I'm, I have no idea what we're going to do. I'm assuming it's, he said it was something we'd never done together before. So I'm like, we've done a lot of things together. So I was trying to think what it was. And I really had no idea, to be honest, I was clueless. Uh, but it ended up being a surprise party at a karaoke bar. Mm-hmm. It was so sweet. And I knew your ass knew too. I did, even though I was <laughs> acting like I didn't but yeah no it was I was surprised I think I think there were a couple of clues my nosy ass is that's just who I am and I'm always I'm always analyzing shit always analyzing shit so um it was funny because I was like oh what time is our reservation to the place or whatever he was like oh (laughs) he's like it's at eight o'clock and I was like, oh, we have like 30 minutes. He's like, yeah, hey, we're right around the corner. I'm like, fantastic. I was like, let's go get some tall boys. So we got, uh, I got like uh, a White Claw, the mm-hmm. seltzer, and then he got like a beer. And we're just chilling on the corner, just like on the corner in Koreatown, just like drinking. And I was like, uh, babe, I was like, it's um, it's 7.59. Shouldn't we, we start walking now? And he's looking at his phone and he's texting someone. And he's like, no, 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 we, we, we got time. I was like, wait, I thought the reservation was at eight. He's like, um, yeah, it is, but but we're good. We got time. I was like, oh, okay. You out here stressed, like, um, this sounds fishy. This sounds fishy. And then it didn't help that one of my friends, I know she didn't do it intentionally, but one of my friends wanted to call my phone and was like, hey, uh, are you with Kiyoshi? I'm like, Yes. She's like, can I talk to him? I'm like, sure. Mind you, it's not like they like talk on the regular. Like, I don't think I've, I've, they've ever spoken on the phone. So that's when I was like, all right, something, something's going on here. I don't know what it is, but something is happening. Something is happening. So, I mean, I had like a little inkling, but it, like, I didn't know the extent, you know, and it was just a, such a great time. It was awesome. It was it was great, and it was just really. I've never actually had an, um, anyone throw me a surprise party like ever. Mm-hmm. So it was just really touching. And then mom, mm-hmm. one of my best friends, like was helping him. So Senya, so she you know was a part of the event coordinate, essentially the event coordinator because she was. She it, she it was, was the awesome. one keeping him keeping him up, you know where he needed to be. It was so funny because the invitation, mm-hmm. Senya's group message, right? Like, <laughs> she's like, um, all right, so I need all your emails or whatever, something, something about, you know, Kyoshi trying to celebrate Brenda's birthday. So Nani, I'm throwing, sip, spilling all the tea. Nani was like, she's like, oh, so why he didn't hit me up? Because I thought we were going to coordinate the birthday together. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then when they sent out the invitation, it said Senya and Kiyoshi's surprise party or some shit like that. <laughs> and I was like, and the girls were like, okay, so now this is Senya and Kiyoshi's party. All right. All right. <laughs> I love it. That's funny. But it, it was, was actually so- hysterical. I was, it was so funny. 
honestly, like it was, it was great. I had such a good time. The, the room was so freaking big. It was, it looked like a lounge. It looked like a little mini lounge with like all these uh, black couches and there were like screens like on all four walls. And I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, this is like legit. I just had a lot. Of, it was a great time. I've never been to Koreatown in New York and it was just, it was really great. It was just a really awesome experience and just made me feel, yes, it made me feel very loved. It really did. It made me feel very, very loved. So yeah, it was great. And I just made an appointment. Your girl is uh, about to drop some serious money to do her hair for the first time ever. I've never paid this much money to do anything to my hair ever. Wait, what do you mean? Like you, so are you going to do something like, like what? Like, are you going to cut it? I'm doing a drastic, a drastic color change and a cut. So is it like a secret? Like, we got to see at the reveal? Basically. Like, basically. Wh- it's gonna so be a little nobody has up. a picture? Nope. Nobody? Nobody. Not even the group chat? Not even the group chats? Nope. Oh, nobody. wow. This is serious. When's the appointment? Tomorrow. All right. So I expect the group chat to be started with me included in it with the picture. <laughs> Okay. I got you, sis. I hope. Uh, listen, the total. When she told me the total, I was like, huh? "You fall out? Like, is that my mortgage? Are you gonna actually send the check to my to my landlord? Because shorty don't got these kind of coins." Listen, I was like, mm, "Um, do 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 we do I need that service? Do I do I need that service too?" She's like, "Yes, that's what makes it. That's what makes the hair color." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Do I need?" That? I'm just like, do I need all of this? This it was over four hundred dollars. That makes sense. Does it? See, for someone like me that has never done that before, I'm like, I'm thinking two, maybe, maybe two fifty, right? Here's the thing: when we talk about beauty, there is an industry for oh, hair, nails, makeup. People want that. People yep. will pay. And the thing is, is like, depending on what you get and the length of your hair, the texture, all of those things matter, but it's also about the time. So like Mm -hmm. one of my, we actually had this conversation a long time ago with uh, another group of friends and um, with one of my coworkers. And she was telling me that like the hair, the hairstylist that she goes to in New York, he be having like one to two people a day and that's it. And he charge and like, that's his, like, if you literally charge somebody $400 or more than $400 to do your hair, let's just say four hours, you just made a hundred dollars an hour, sis. That's crazy. And one person. So you don't even have to take and stack like clients. You could could do one a day, one a day, one a day and, and be chilling. Imagine $400, five, five, five times that's crazy and i know i'm gonna be there for a minute she did tell me to like set aside like four hours yeah and that's the part of the reason and the, mm-hmm. if, when you get dye and all that extra stuff it does end up being more money but i say it makes sense not because it makes sense that we should pay it but it makes sense the the range you know the range of of the service actually i'm not li- i'm lying i think i know why i expected it to be less than that because i went to in Atlanta, I actually got like maybe like six, seven years ago, I got like a, a ombre balayage sort sort of hair dye moment mm-hmm. and my haircut. And I think I paid like $120 total. 
Oh, that's good. So then what, that's why when she told me like the total, I was is like, she a salon or she's just an individual person. No, it's a, it's a salon in Stanford. Um, I'm not going to say the name of it, but it's a pretty large salon. It has multiple people. It, it's very nice. I went inside and they have really good reviews. That's why I went there. Um, but yeah, she was booked too. When I was trying to make an appointment, I saw her technically for a consult two weeks ago. She didn't have anything available until tomorrow. Wow. Do she work with curly hair? Cause you know, not everybody can work with curly hair. So she's actually a black woman. So oh, she, good. she's comfortable with my, my hair texture. So I was like, yes. So, so yeah, so we'll see, you know, I'm excited to see how everything turns out, you know, Can't hopefully worth the money. But uh, yeah, I'll send you a flick. Can't wait. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's been my life for the past. Well, there's been more shit happening. Oh, actually, no, I'm gonna wait till next episode to talk about this. All right. I guess we'll have to wait till next episode. <laughs> we'll no, have to wait gotta, till next gotta... episode too. I huh? can't just hear about the story offline. Well, no, you already know about it. It's not oh, a story. Right, it's more sure. like a plan. The plan for next year to just travel like crazy. Oh, I do know about that. Yeah. I need to get the right. fuck out of the US. I, I, I haven't traveled enough. Hello. I'm waiting for Canada to open the doors for everyone. Oh, yes. I want to go to Canada too. I love Canada. Well, you I've been there. been, right? I have. I've been there twice. Uh, Niagara. Yes. And Toronto. Toronto. Mm-hmm. You could come and visit me a- next yeah. year when they open up and yeah. I'll be chilling. I'll be in Toronto. I might. Let me know. I'm down. Hit you up. Cool. All right. Well, that's a little bit about us this week. Uh, so we're essentially family members. They became family members. They established a family outside of their biological family, which was literally probably all of them uh when i originally <laughs> saw the show well first of all i didn't know about the show until it came out like years later mm. so when i first found out about it, i was like oh my god this exists and i was so out of touch and i was so excited to see members of our community on tv we don't see our we don't see ourselves there's no representation of us in the media as they're I mean, now, I guess, you know, there's definitely strides, progress. We see more of ourselves within the media, but, you know, it wasn't a thing back then, especially for the gay community, if you were black, mm-hmm. you know, black or brown. So I was hyped and, um, you know. Not acknowledged for their talent. So I know that that was something that was happening. So it makes me really happy to see that, uh, you know, that they're being acknowledged and, um for the incredible talent that they are. And shout out also to India Moore from, from Pose. I love yes, her. I love she's her. awesome. She's dope. She gives zero shits. She and I love it. Fucks. She was um, on a Lexus commercial. Really? Yep. Yep, her. she was. Uh, and so, of course, that was also uh, trailblazing. She uh, she killed it in pose. No, honestly, like <clears throat> I was like literally obsessed with pose when it came <laughs> out, and then obviously the second season. So um, it was one of my favorite shows when it came out. Like literally, I binged that shit, 
And I think it was really great because I think a lot of times in shows like this in, that try to um, bring uh, the LGBTQ community to the forefront, a lot of times they end up casting people that not, are not actually part of the LGBTQ community. And more importantly, they end up casting char- um, actors and actresses that are, aren't truly trans. Mm-hmm. So I think that this was uh, a beautiful representation and just great entertainment that included the uh, ideas, the directorship, the uh, producers uh, and uh, creators were all part of the community, which I think was really dope. The I When I said it was about time in terms of like MJ Rodriguez getting that Emmy, like there was a, a, I think maybe like two years ago, was it last year or two years ago, where the the cast of Pose essentially like boycotted uh, going to some of these award shows because they were essentially like being ignored. And even though Pose was a huge success, the only person that was really receiving any type of attention was uh, the cis um a uh, black man uh, on the show and the trans women, the trans characters were essentially our no me digas, moving right along to our no me digas, shit in the news. So there's a lot of things that have been happening overall. So honestly, when we were talking about this episode, I'm like, what are we going to put in the news? Like, do we, can we stack this up? But I incorporated what I, you know, felt like I wanted to talk about today or we wanted to talk about today in the episode uh so i don't know if you know her brenda but uh mj rodriguez yes i love her she was nominated for a major acting emmy about damn time pose was amazing exactly so she was nominated as outstanding lead actress in the drama series for her role as house mother blanca evangelista on the show Pose, as Brenda mentioned. So for those of you who haven't seen Pose, Pose, uh, it's aired on uh, FX Network, I believe. And uh, it's a TV series produced and directed, written by Janet Mock, who's also a trans woman of color. And she, uh, I digress, but, um, and I don't know specifically, but I believe she was the first trans woman producer, director Mm -hmm. to be to have her show on Netflix or aired on Netflix. So when yep. she had the contract, it was a, it was a huge deal. Uh, and she also has a few books. She's super, she's super dope. I, and I actually saw her at the human rights campaign right before COVID the year before COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, she's as beautiful in person as she, you know, um, is when you see her, you know, advocating and doing her, her, her thing as uh, as an activist and leader really within the community. So the show, it's set in the 80s and 90s when uh, New York City or in New York City during the AIDS and HIV epidemic. During that time, uh, as some of you may know, it was harder for gay people to be visible. So as a result, they established uh, an underground community where they felt they could be safe or feel safe. And essentially, that was known as the ballroom scene, which consisted of events that allowed them to safely perform, dance, and lip sync, and even model. Uh, The 
the participants in the ballroom scene or who were participating in all the events. So the people who were there were often uh, people who were one, a part of the LGBTQ community and they were ostracized and abandoned by their families, which is still true to this day, except, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, on the ballroom scene, I don't believe is actually a thing right now. And as far as it being underground, I think it's more visible now. Yeah, definitely mainstream. Yeah, it's mainstream at this point. But the individuals or the people, part of the community who were in this underground space, essentially, uh, were abandoned by their families. So all of the people that they would meet, well, while we're, you know, it's great that we're celebrating victories and uplifting one of our trans sisters, but we also want to remember those trans women who Mm -hmm. lost their lives to hate crimes, and more recently, uh, I heard about uh, Taya Ashton. She was a uh, 24, not 24. She was a uh, 20, 20 year old woman who was killed in her apartment in Maryland just a few days ago. She will be the 31st trans person to be killed this year. Uh, and honestly, that number is probably much higher with the majority of individuals being black and brown. And these these deaths they go underreported because mm-hmm. who's covering you know who really quote unquote cares to to cover uh this type of media so as we uplift mj rodriguez and all of our trans sisters out there paving the way for others we want we want to remember those that have lost their lives unfortunately uh because of their identity and oppression that we continue to face every day yeah and with that said if we're just going to do a moment of silence for all our trans uh, brothers and sisters that um, have been lost due to this um, systemic oppression and, and hate that exists okay all right well Congrats, MJ Rodriguez, on her nomination. She did well in pose and deserves to be recognized for her talent, no matter her identity. Felicidades, girl. You earned that. Do you have any feelings about that? I mean, just a reminder of how fucking crazy some of these European scientists were. Like, this is just yet another example of. the colonizers uh influence on you know the way that uh society's viewpoints developed over time right because because this uh german scientist said what he said that was then adopted by you know many different countries and specifically in the u.s uh, and affected LGBTQ folks for years, years after this man was dead over his fucked up theory that literally had no, it was pseudoscience. Like I mentioned, it was a pseudoscientific scientific, uh, type of theory that literally had no leg to stand on. And it was just bigoted. That It was, it was uh, rooted in bigotry. So bullshit. It's BS, 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 BS. <laughs> Excuse me. 
So uh, conversion therapy is this idea, like Brenda said, that you can change an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity. So in thinking about the history of conversion therapy, uh, you know, before we continue to share some of the facts about you know, where this stemmed from or just, um, you know, where we've come with conversion therapy, earlier years, historical information around uh, the concept of conversion therapy. And so it started with, apparently it started with a German psychiatrist. His name was uh, Eugen Steinach, and this was in 1899. He had claimed, he was in a conference and had claimed uh, to turn a gay man straight with only 45 hypnosis sessions. So he had said that he had conducted the 45 hypnosis uh, hypnosis sessions and with uh, a few visits to the brothel this person was cured so he essentially introduced the idea that I know right he introduced the idea that being you can cure a gay person and so even though not all people felt this way uh in in the 20s if you were gay he thought it was considered to be rooted in your testicles. And so men were actually castrated if they had identified as gay and their testicles, yes, their testicle was removed. They were given a quote unquote new and improved testicle, which was then known as your heterosexual testicles. I mean, I didn't, if I knew I was gonna get my genitals castrated, I would be scared as fuck to live authentically, just saying. That's fucking crazy. I didn't even know that. Uh, I know. And so this concept specifically came from this psychiatrist, though. And there were other beliefs. So if we were to take a moment to obviously we know that science has evolved over time, but let's remove that and just focus on the fact that a lot of these fucked up theories and concepts came from white men white men that were like you know what i'm a scientist and this is what it is and people were like whoa like bitch there's no leg underneath that theory that shit is going to crumble if there was something to actually support it and that's really what kind of happened with this with conversion therapy Duh. we want to cite some of the resources that we use which included information from the human rights campaign the trevor project and uh discovery.com uh, which had some, so even though he, this was his thought about homosexuality, not everyone had the same theory. Some of you may know Freud, Sigmund Freud, he actually hypothesized that humans are born innately bisexual and that homosexual people become gay because of their conditioning. But like I said, he was, he believed this, not everyone believed that. And so at the point where it was thought that being gay was a disease or was something that can be cured, it was at some, you know, later down the line, as we continue down the timeline, it was a mental health illness. Uh, and so <laughs> being a mental health illness, you know, that, that's where this idea of conversion therapy or the need for conversion therapy 
you know, the fact that being gay could be cured and it was a disease and, and this type of therapy would be able to, to assist with that is where this all stemmed from, even though throughout time it has changed. Pass that would quote unquote help them get rid of their gayness. Um, and there was not, like I said, there was no, no to very, very little, if any, like I said, evidence to prove or support all of this all not all of when I say all of this really to support this treatment by the 50s other procedures were considered acceptable to perform on gay people and some of that shit included lobotomies electroconvulsive therapy which was uh, essentially these electrical currents that were sent to your brain and I mean some of the um, some of the other things that would happen was just is it's just barbaric, you know, it's definitely traumatizing, it's in, inhumane. And uh, to think that we were at one point there and where we are now, it's just crazy to me because this is, I mean, this is literally the 50s. That's not that, I mean, it's not, That's really not that, long, that ago. long ago. Nah, bro. Um, and how things continue to evolve, you know, and how it's just different but I mean by the 60s and the 70s there were people who had come out specifically uh gay rights uh movement group who spoke against conversion therapy and by 1973 it was removed as a psychiatric disorder by the APA which is the American Psychological Association and so anybody who's familiar with psychology or um, therapeutic practices, essentially there is a manual called uh, the DSM that has uh, different mental health diagnoses or disorders. And so in 73, they finally removed homosexuality as a mental health disorder in 1973, which again, was not that long ago. Um, and still, you know, gay conversion camps, uh, even at the point where in 73, it was removed from the psychiatric or from the DSM by APA, there were still conversion camps happening, uh, mm -hmm. mostly faith-based and, um, but they were still happening. Conversion therapy was still happening. And, um, most of, uh, we'll, we'll hear later on in the episode, um, from somebody specifically, but, uh, the faith-based camps essentially told people to pray their homosexuality away. Uh, and in addition to that, they had to complete different. All right, guys. So our better why this week is pretty specific. We're going to be sharing some facts, opinions, and feelings as we normally do here at our modern day Tia's kitchen table. But before we continue, just a quick disclosure some information discussed uh, may cause emotional responses. And as we've shared before, the great thing about a podcast is you can take a break. Mm -hmm. So take, take that break if you need it and come check in with us later. And if not, hey, check us out at the next episode. <laughs> exactly. So as CL mentioned, we are going to be sharing some information about uh, a sensitive but incredibly important topic. Um, and the question is, Spittle, why does conversion therapy still exist? And as some of you may know, 
it still exists and the real question is why like really our goal today is to share information provide awareness and give some of our own opinions and for those of you that don't know uh conversion therapy is the idea that through this form of pseudo scientific therapy you can change an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity which we know is bullshit but here we go intervention or this type of treatment intervention what's uh, really crazy too is that even with the states banning like formal conversion camps sometimes the because of the incredible impact of of this these types of of fucked up theories as well as us knowing that religion is a huge um faith or faith-based like you mentioned faith-based theories or ideologies that essentially condemn being gay condemn being trans really condemn being any part of the lgbtq community have a huge impact on society so even with conversion camps being uh outlawed right on in a formal level there's still in a way informally families create atmospheres that are similar to conversion camps by forcing mm-hmm. their their children to they're not in like a, an actual camp but by forcing their, their children to uh, deny that part of themselves or uh, forcing them uh, there was a rapper that that was like yo my, my son's not gonna be gay and I'm gonna make sure that you know that essentially that he has sex with with uh with a woman so that he knows that he's not that's 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 fucked up like to do that to a 10 year old that doesn't even know anything like so even with with um formal conversion therapy being outlawed there we need to continue to oh i don't know why i did that we need to continue to shift uh society's um mentality and be able to ensure that we can create spaces to protect uh specifically kids and adolescents uh to ensure that they're not subjected to this type of conversion therapy i'm going to say mentality because even without the the camps or the or the the therapy that ideology can still live in families that create those atmospheres for their kids and it's fucking infuriating and really sad it's definitely a real thing i mean lgbtq youth i think are the amongst the highest population uh for homelessness or they are one of the i'm trying to find the right sentence for it and i'm gonna get it so the lgbtq youth have the highest rate of homelessness than Mm -hmm. i think all kids in general and it's because their families abandon them. Yeah. And then you have spaces that are like uh, ballroom scene, underground, you know, the under, underground gay community where, you know, people want to feel safe and just be loved on. And so yeah. you end up creating other family, right? You end up finding people, but some people don't have that option. Some people just end up truly being alone. Yeah. So with all of that being said, we weren't able to get a guest for this episode. 
I'm Alex Cooper, and when I was 15, I fell in love and came out to my parents. And the next thing I knew, I was being sent to conversion therapy. Uh, we are going to share the story of Alex Cooper, or at least she's going to share her story. And so we're going to play an audio clip of her kind of talking about what her experience was like uh, in conversion camp, conversion therapy camp. So she tells a little bit about her story. And through this, hopefully we can, you know, our listeners will learn or understand some of the implications that can be caused from this type of therapy. And so she aired on Lifetime and uh, she works with the Human Rights Campaign. So we're going to essentially play her story. I grew up in Southern California. I grew up pretty religious, but I always had an extremely happy childhood, really tight family. When my parents took me to conversion therapy, they picked me up from a friend's house with all of my things already packed in the car. And we drove to Southern Utah, St. George. And we pulled up to a stranger's house. A couple came outside of the house and brought me inside. And my parents signed over their parental rights to this couple. They practiced conversion therapy unlicensed in their home. Neither one of them had a degree or had even finished high school, but they told my parents that they were able to make me straight. It's important to understand the history in this area is that in 1973, the American Psychiatric Association removed homosexuality from its list of mental disorders. And since that time, nobody teaches you how to change homosexuality in a mainstream mental health training program. That, of course, is a problem because there is no real regulation of the people who try and do this. It started with keeping me out of school. I learned how to take care of a household, including all of their kids, getting them ready for school, making meals, keeping the house clean. There are lots of different ways people have tried to change sexual orientation through conversion therapies. Most conversion therapies are talk therapies where they just try and talk the person out of it. But there are aversion therapies in which pain can be inflicted on the person as a way to discourage them from having homosexual feelings or homosexual thoughts. I was given the backpack. They filled it with rocks and told me that it was supposed to help me feel the physical burden of being gay. I started wearing it for a couple hours a day. And then when I was still not accepting what they were saying, it got up to be 18 hours a day at some points. One of the problems with these conversion therapies is the patient is usually told that the success depends on their motivation or in religious therapies on their faith. And when the treatments don't work because they don't work, they always blame themselves, not the therapist. So they feel worse than when they started. LGBTQ youth who experience this type of rejection are almost six times as likely to report high levels of depression. It was definitely the darkest point in my life, even to thoughts of suicide and suicide attempted. Alex is a remarkable young woman who has come through a hellish experience and made her experience into one that has value for herself for her family and for other people. 
and I admire that she has been able to take her suffering and turn it into something positive for herself and others. It's been eight years since I've been in conversion therapy, but it's still something that I have to carry with me. Something that I think about when I go to the grocery store or something that I think about when I'm putting on a backpack to go on a hike. Now that I'm out, I realize that it wasn't just me. There's hundreds and thousands of kids that go through conversion therapy. Experts estimate that as many as one in three LGBTQ youth will undergo some form of conversion therapy. I don't want to spoil it, so I'll let you watch it before I... I, I, mean, uh, I might not ever watch it, honestly, but... Yeah, I, it, it just, it, it was... It was a story of survival for sure because she ended up, you know, seeking a lawyer. Um, I forgot exactly how it is that she got in contact with the lawyer to be able to be to essentially escape because her parents literally, was... literally signed over their parental rights. Parental yeah, it's so crazy. I think when you listen to, I listened to more of that video, uh, and essentially what she had said was that she one day she just left the house while they were sleeping and she was walking and walking and walking and before you she knew it she well she had hid in the bushes until the buses started running and then she w went to school and told her teacher and they called the police mm, that sounds right yeah but it's it's interesting that their parent the, the parents thought that their daughter being straight was more important than her safety. Because they essentially sent her to the home of two complete strangers with no strangers. strangers, with no credibility, with no form of, of uh, I mean, conversion therapy itself is, is has no credibility because it doesn't work. But just, it goes to show you how deep rooted this the homophobia or the, the the homophobia was and her parents were deeply religious as well so mm -hmm. um you know it was it was you know it's crazy i actually saw this the lifetime representation of her story oh it's called trapped yeah i saw it i haven't seen it did you how was it uh, shit was hard to watch. Not gonna lie, I was just mad the entire time. And I think it, I think it was uh, kind of ties into what I what what I mentioned before about that. Even if you're not in a camp, you can create it. it mm -hmm. You can create that atmosphere in your home. I mean, this is more like in somebody else's home, but you know, they. I I think it's like it stemmed from from their interpretation of their faith and it was just it was fucking really crazy. their their interpretation truly right yep but if we talk about what because conversion therapy is still a real thing yeah now even though there are a lot of states within the u.s and we're just talking u.s because you know i didn't even get a chance to do the research on out of country but right now i mean trevor project uh they mentioned that about not eight states still have no legislation banning conversion therapy 
That's crazy. Uh, and her, where this happened, she was from California and they were, they sent her to Utah where now, um, I don't know if in Utah, let me just check real quick where, what's their policies or in Utah now that they're, they're fully protected. So LGBTQ youth are fully protected from conversion therapy and they ban it for minors. So that's great. Right. Mm -hmm. Because this also happened, I think, like in 2019 for her, or at least the story aired around then. But other other states that are still still have no legislation around it, Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, South Carolina. What are the what's the number one commonality? I mean, Midwest and the South. Exactly. Geographically, they're all kind of in the same area. Yep. And. And in those those states in the South, they're really conservative states. You know, we're not talking about they're the by the Bible Belt, what you would call the Bible Belt. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, I mean, when it comes to states closest to us, only this year Pennsylvania introduced legislation to ban conversion therapy, and it's not even a certain something that's certain. It's only if yeah. the bill passes, they proposed it. But if you think about all of New England, the tri-state area, those states you know, where we live, Connecticut, New York, uh, Jersey, the LGBTQ are protected there, which is nice. Some conversion therapy, yeah, which is, which is uh, I mean, I think that policy, while it can be interpreted as important for, for uh, any sort of progress, right, policy change, so. Mm -hmm. Definitely a move in the right direction. Yeah, but there's still a lot of work for us to do. Oh, absolutely. And really not until all states ban uh, conversion therapy. Which, it needs to be done federally. That's what needs to fucking happen, honestly. Well, yeah, that does need to happen. Um, but what can we essentially do to, to help? Right. I guess that's the question. So we're talking about all this information and bringing awareness, but um, in thinking of on a larger scale, right, I mentioned 50 states. So the Trevor Project, uh, who for those who know, don't know, they're a nonprofit organization working with uh, primarily LGBTQ community, and uh, they have a campaign, which is apparently the largest campaign in the world to tackle uh, protecting all LGBTQ youth from conversion therapy. And the, the, the campaign or the project is called uh, 50 Bills in 50 States. Mm, so, yes. right? Clever. Yes. So all of these, I mean, the, this resource, we'll put it up uh, when we post up our podcast. Yeah. And they have a ton of information on their website on how you can get involved. Um, and in addition to that, the National Center for, for Lesbian Rights, they have a campaign that's called the Born Project. And that campaign is specifically to end the conversion therapy. And on their website, they also share ways in which you can become involved and support the cause. And they have, uh, they are actually the National Center for Lesbian Rights uh, is an organization that was established by attorneys who are within the community and they provide free legal service to individuals who are within the LGBTQ community. And I think this is statewide, uh, nationwide. So, so yeah yeah we'll definitely put that information in the episode yeah description mm -hmm. 
And I think one, um, I think that this might uh, seem like a very basic suggestion, but I think that one of the ways in addition to awareness that you can support these uh, campaigns is by opening up your purse. So I think that, you know, we do, like, I feel like me and Seal say this like every episode, but we live in a capitalist society and that's where we exist. So money uh, essentially is what allows these projects to be successful in addition to um, the amazing uh, advocates and and folks that work to move the policies and other uh, parts of the movement forward. But definitely donating um, is, is a huge help. Yeah, and if you don't have the monetary funds or the monetary means essentially to to donate, just even sharing this mm-hmm. information, you know, sharing what you learn, sharing our podcast, and that in in a way is could be good enough, right? It could yep. save somebody's life. It could encourage somebody to take a step in a different direction. So uh, it doesn't have to be monetary. There are definitely a lot of other ways. So take a look at the at the website if you're interested. And that actually brings us to our Women Crush Wednesday for this week, who is Lenya Bloom. Uh, She is the first Black and Asian trans woman to be featured on a Sports Illustrated cover. Reportedly, she was born in Chicago to a Filipina mother and an African-American father. She was raised by her father after her mother was deported. Damn. Luckily, her dad supported her decision to transition, and she is a model, dancer, actor, and activist. She received a scholarship to dance at the American Ballet Theater, but they wouldn't allow her to dance as a woman, so she left and moved to NYC, where she faced homelessness. While in New York, she was working at a restaurant and would participate in underground ballroom dancing, where she would vogue and win cash prizes. Her modeling career took off in October 2017, and she was the first openly trans woman of color to appear in Vogue India. Hopefully she will be the first of many trans women to be featured on Sports Illustrated Magazine. Shout out to Lina Bloom uh, for being a trailblazer for many other trans women and specifically trans women of color. So that brings us to the end of our episode. As always, thank y'all for joining us for another episode of Fiddle Why Podcast. Uh, we love y'all. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Fiddle Why Podcast with two Ys. And like and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That is a huge help if you take a moment to rate us. It, it truly allows us to move up in the ranks. So as always, thank you and have a good night. Bye. Thea's out.